You're listening to Tap Into Tax, PwC's podcast series covering current regulatory, legislative, and technology hot topics through the lens of our tax technical leaders, as well as process and technology subject matter specialists. This podcast features discussions with some of our leading minds around tax, trade, and domestic and global policy. Stay tuned to our regular updates and subscribe to our series to get notified as new episodes are published. So Julie, as we've seen, COVID-19 has not impacted all sectors equally. So I'm looking forward to today's discussion where we'll be focusing on the industrial product sector. And Margie, that's an interesting point. You are right, they haven't all been impacted equally. And the industrial product sector is different than many because manufacturing was deemed essential. And so factories and headquarters remained open where other sectors had many of their facilities closed. So unlike those other industries or sectors where folks were working from home or working remotely, and that's the challenge they had, in the IP sector, theirs was different. It was working through COVID-19 while remaining in the office. Julie, I'm really looking forward to this discussion. So let's talk tax. Thanks, Margie. So with that, hello, listeners. This is Julie Allen. I am PwC's National Tax Service Market Leader, and I'm really excited to be joined today by Margie Dungeshaw, our U.S. Tax Reporting and Strategy Leader, and John Livingstone, our Industrial Products Tax Leader. And we're going to discuss the industrial products sector tax landscape, as we just mentioned. John, we know that stabilization following the initial COVID-19 impact and the resulting economic crisis means something distinct to each sector. How have industrial product companies been reacting to the current environment? Well, thanks, Julie. I'd like to think of it as falling into maybe four buckets. You know, I think initially when the crisis began and folks began to realize how impactful it was going to be to them, the immediate focus was on uh, operational considerations. You know, how are they going to close the books in Q1? Are teams going to work from home? How are the processes that companies had in place going to change? Are they going to need to change? Do they have the technologies to deliver from home? In many cases, the biggest issue that our clients were facing was, did they have the VPN bandwidth to allow folks to work from home? And that was a tricky question for many of our clients in the sector, because as manufacturing companies, most of them anyway, they were deemed essential. And so many companies took the view that if the factory was going to be open, the executives at corporate should also try to make an effort to get to the office. So we probably had more tax people working from offices in this sector than maybe most other sectors. And and of course, they were very careful about managing uh, safety issues in that environment. But it was very interesting that on any given day, folks working in tax reporting groups in our sector you know, would be home or they would be in the office, depending on what was necessary. So that was interesting. The second bucket of, of issues that I think our clients dealt was the need to sort of assess new profit forecasts for the year and what impact that would have on their effective rates. You recall this crisis really sort of hit in middle of March. And by that point in time, Many companies had developed plans for the year and effective tax rate estimates for the year, and they were scurrying towards the end of March 
to update those plans. And that was very challenging for clients in our sector. Our sector tends to be global. And so not only were companies having to figure out how much income they would be estimating for the rest of the year, but where were they going to earn that income? Um, you know, very sensitive to effective tax rates, are very sensitive to geographical concerns. So it's very challenging for clients in our sector to deal with that issue. And then um, for many of our clients, the, the impact of those new forecasts was less profit in the U.S. And so many of our clients were having to then recalculate effective rates using a lower pre-tax forecast, which in many cases implicated tax rules that many of our clients had not had to deal with previously. So issues like BEAT, issues like Section 250 deduction limitations, and other issues came into play for our clients in our sector in the quarter, which really created a challenging environment for many clients in our sector. The third bucket of issues that our clients were dealing with was the new provisions that were being introduced both in the U.S. and around the world in response to the crisis. In the U.S., the CARES Act was a significant piece of legislation that our companies were dealing with. Several significant corporate tax provisions, the annual carryback provisions, very significant to clients who are now looking at you know, significantly reduced profit forecasts. The changes to 163J were significant to our clients. Uh, our clients tend to have lots of debt in the U.S. What we did see, though, is that even though the 163J provisions allowed for increased deductions in the U.S., the interplay with the guilty provisions often meant that some of that benefit was given back in the guilty calculation. So modeling those issues was a significant issue for our clients in the sector. There were some the benefits in the legislation related to deferral of tax payment provisions. I think we're very much welcome to clients in our sector. And we had some clients who were able to benefit from the employee retention credit. Outside the U.S., many jurisdictions also introduced tax bills in response to the crisis. And the clients in this sector tend to be global uh, operations around the world. So there was a significant effort around understanding what those provisions were outside the U.S., assessing how uh, companies might benefit from them. And there was, you know, in certain cases, some interesting discussions around whether a company that might be doing okay in a jurisdiction outside the U.S., but was challenged a bit in the U.S., whether a company, a U.S. multinational, should take advantage of some of the incentives that might have been applicable to the foreign subsidiary. So there was a, some interesting and some subjective decisions that had to be made by uh, tax management of clients in our sector. And finally, the fourth bucket, I'd say, is that companies started to focus also on go-forward planning. Uh, once they put the quarter behind them, assess the impact of some of the provisions that were introduced, as they looked at what the new profit forecast for the year looked like, what actions should they take uh, given that profile? And a couple areas where, where clients were seeing broad focus is looking at accounting methods and whether or not there might be some opportunities to take advantage of the NOL uh, carryback provisions. And secondly, again, given sort of the global nature of clients in our sector, what could be done around uh, transfer pricing? So those are the four buckets, I think, that our clients focused on. Certainly, it has been a busy time for them, for clients in this sector. 
John, I think that's a really great overview for really what we're seeing in, in your sector and what the clients are going through. The way you organize that into focusing on operational considerations, you know, their forecasts, what's going on in the U.S. and around the world with the new rules, and then really going forward, I think are key takeaways that we can look at from the industrial product sector and focus on what they're going through and how we can look to better, you know, react or think about what they're experiencing. You know, looking ahead, I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback off of your last point when you were focusing on going forward. Looking ahead, how are companies really thinking about the rest of the year? Yeah, also quite challenging. I think companies are being very careful still. There's a lot that is still not known about how the rest of the year will play out. Companies are doing the best they can to gather information and make those assessments, but it's a very complex calculus. You know, not knowing exactly how the economy is going to open up for the rest of the year. Again, given that these clients tend to be global in terms of their footprint, means that they're having to assess that issue on a global scale. And so it's a very challenging environment. I think the other issue that our clients were facing uh, when they think about that planning environment was that they're doing that against the backdrop of an upcoming election. And it's very much the case that tax policy and tax rates are going to be in play in this election. And so they're having to plan against the uncertain profit landscape, as well as an uncertain tax environment. And given the levels of spending that governments really around the world are having to partake in, given the virus, uh, you know, there is a general sense that there is going to be pressure on rates around the world. And so having to plan in that environment is very challenging for tax executives. The other issue that I think tax executives in the sector are thinking about is how do they support the broader business that they're part of? How will the rest of the organization respond to the crisis? And how are they going to support whatever changes might be seen in the rest of the business? And uh, there are many areas of this, but one area that we are hearing a lot about is supply chain and how will companies change or revisit supply chains in light of the crisis. Many believe that there will be changes coming and those changes might be focused on achieving greater geographical balance, perhaps with more manufacturing capacity in the US, perhaps in Mexico looking at issues around creating some redundant manufacturing capacity. And the other thing we've heard about is there may even be a desire to do some insourcing that particularly amongst the large banks in the sector, as they have become more reliant on third-party suppliers to create key inputs to their goods and the financial health of some of those suppliers has come under pressure. There has been a focus on reassessing whether or not it may make sense in certain cases to insource some manufacturing that they had previously relied on parties to deliver for them. John, that's really interesting. And given all the different areas, and as you outlined before, the complex calculus that companies need to perform to assess and analyze all the options here on the table, I just wanted to pivot a minute to discuss how do tax departments actually get this all done? 
The industrial products industry seems to understand how automation and digital technologies can help them weather this period. And based on some of our recent CFO survey results, at a time of focused cost cutting, only 15% of industrial product CFOs plan to cut digital transformation investments. So can you share with us what are you seeing and hearing on the ground? We are certainly hearing anecdotally what is turning up in, in the survey you mentioned, Margie. You know, I think companies were heading down the path of investing more and more in digital capabilities, really to try to streamline processes and create better cost efficiencies. This whole crisis has really accelerated that. I think the idea of being able to rely on the flexibility that digital technologies and the tax reporting process can provide companies has really become you know, clearer to non-tax executives in organizations. It's, I think it's, it's been clear to most tax executives for some time. But that the case to be made to the rest of the C-suite for tax executives has gotten a little bit easier as they're having to deal with the current crisis. The other issue here is that while certain of our clients in our sector's businesses may be getting smaller in some cases, the complexity around the tax function is just getting more complex and it's increasing. The demands on tax departments around reporting and compliance continue to increase And we expect, given, again, this issue around the need for governments to raise revenue, that that's a trend that is just going to continue. And so really, the idea of being able to to do more with less by leveraging technologies in the tax function is as important as ever. Excellent, John. And as we know, in April, it was announced that there were 1.7 million manufacturing jobs lost which represents approximately 13% of the manufacturing workforce. How does this impact meeting tax requirements and deadlines when we know that tax departments are being asked to participate in some of the cost-cutting measures that a lot of the other business units are being asked to participate in? I think what we're seeing in some tax departments is that the stress of having to deal with the crisis at the end of Q1 and the focus on getting the financial reporting aspects of the function done has meant that some aspects of the rest of the operating environment for tax departments have fallen behind a little bit. So compliance for the current year in some cases is behind schedule in some cases. And so we're seeing a desire by some clients to reach out and look for some loan staff arrangements in those scenarios. So I do think we're seeing an uptick in assessing different models And I think a lot of our clients are being a little bit careful as they continue through the rest of the year and see how this crisis pans out. But no doubt there's an uptick in interest. So, John, let's shift gears a little if we can. Well, we know that deals have not been top of mind for our clients until recently. Um, We do anticipate that as we come out of this current crisis, that there can be significant opportunities for our clients. What are you hearing from our clients about expectations for future deals? Yeah, great point, Julie. We are seeing uh, a slowdown in the M&A environment uh, since March, no doubt about that. 
it has continued, I'd say, through uh, the end of May. Yeah, I think companies, frankly, have been very much focused on you know meeting near-term reporting obligations, keeping their people and businesses up and running. And so the idea of, of engaging in uh, strategic transactional activities has definitely waned. I think, you know, certainly concerns around liquidity, concerns around valuations of assets have been a contributor to the slowdown, to be sure. But I think there is a general belief that some of the disruptions that we have seen in the sector because of the crisis will result in a uptick in M&A activity at some point and perhaps as early as the fall. So, you know, I think it's an area that, you know, I think clients are wanting to be ready for when that happens. And, you know, we do expect that we'll see some increased activity later this year. So, John, continuing with the deal focus and with the industrial product sector, I would love to hear your comments about what we're seeing in the financing or debt or equity space. We are getting a lot of questions from clients around financing and other sectors. So it would be really interesting to get your viewpoint on that. Yeah, thanks, Julie. Yeah, absolutely seeing a fair bit of activity in the space. Rates broadly have come down. And given concerns that many clients in the sector have around liquidity considerations, there has been a significant rush to the debt markets to raise capital, improve liquidity, and companies that may not otherwise see a immediate need for the cash are acknowledging the unknown in the environment that we're in and the ability to raise capital cheaply and are taking advantage of that. And so we are seeing a large amount of transactions in the space. And what's tricky from a tax perspective for companies in this sector is that dealing with these the tax issues associated with these types of transactions is not the type of transaction that companies deal with frequently. And so issues around amending and extending credit agreements, issues around significant modifications of debt agreements, and the tax implications of those transactions is something that we're seeing a lot of activity around in the current environment. Thanks, John. I know the points that you made there on companies not seeing this every single day and then focusing on amending and extending those debt covenants, that it really is an important point to take into account. Thank you, John and Margie, for the great discussion today. And for all of our listeners, for more information on this topic and additional podcasts, please visit pwc.com slash US slash tax podcast. Thanks. This podcast is brought to you by PWC All Rights Reserved. 
PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates, and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.